Welcome to the Chalk Life Podcast. Today my guest is Wendy Fisher, a former Olympian, a Crested Butte World Extreme Skiing Champion, and a mother of two, and probably best known for appearing in Warren Miller's and Matchstick Productions ski films, catching big air on big mountains around the world. But now she chooses to make her home in Crested Butte, Colorado, and we're going to talk a little bit about what it's like to live and ski this mountain town. Welcome, Wendy. Thank you. I'm glad to be doing this. So you have been in Crested Butte for quite a while now. When did you first move there? Uh, 1996. Right. And you um, have done a bunch of other stuff. I mean, obviously you were an Olympian. Um, Your specialties were the downhill and slalom combined and GS. Well, that's what I uh, was named to the 92 Olympics for. Mm -hmm. But I would say I was most consistent in giant slalom and super G. Those are the pretty skiers, too. I always love watching them. And then you moved into extreme skiing, which is, it sounds like one of the reasons that you chose Crested Butte. Is that true? Um, actually I chose Crested Butte for a guy, oh, <laughs> who I'm now married to, but, um, but yes, the skiing when I came here was super fun and everything clicked and, and moved back here and never regretted it. And so what would you say if you were going to describe Crested Butte to someone who'd never been there, how would you describe the town? What's the vibe there? Well, it's super small. Um, I don't want to say like, uh, it's an uncomfortable small. Um, it's a small where it it's still fun to live here and you don't feel like it's a remote in the middle of nowhere town, even though we are. Like it has a lot of, um, it's a lively town, a lively, awesome, small town. The community is really nice. I guess when you live here, it's hard to have a perspective of maybe what an outsider might feel like because you're so ingrained. Like when I came here, everyone accepted me because I was this new skier who was an Olympian and on the U.S. ski team. So everybody was kind of like interested in me. So I wasn't a total stranger um, to people. So maybe I didn't get the true no one knows me incognito kind of stepping into a town and and um, feeling that kind of um, greeting. But I teach a lot of skiing on the mountain. I do private lessons and I ski with a lot of people who is their first time here or maybe they have a second home here and they always talk about um, whether you're a first timer in town, how nice everybody is. That's the main thing I always hear. And then second homeowners buy a place here because when they came to visit, they couldn't believe how nice everyone was here and how low key it was and how beautiful. So that's the report I get from everyone. And I, I have to agree that um, I've been here 19 years and I don't have any myths when anyone here and everyone is outgoing and they just try to live life to the fullest and have fun. And uh, I think there's a great positive energy until someone comes into town and tries to do something that um, most of the town isn't happy about. Then we all stand up for what we believe and, and put up a good fight. And then, um, and then we're all happy again when, when we uh, get what we want, I guess. <laughs> well, it is interesting when you say nice. I mean, Colorado is probably, I swear, when I would go hiking in Utah or something, I knew who I would meet along the trail if they were Coloradans or not. Because honestly, I think there's something about Colorado in general. And it might be Crested Butte is even more so, but it's an incredibly nice, wonderful, laid-back place to live. But you know, it's funny because Crested Butte is a little bit different because it's not on a major freeway like Vail or 
um, copper, um, any of the summit county ones. So I think it, I think you might have a little more of a family feeling there just because you kind of are a little bit off the beaten track. Would you say that? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, there's definitely a community here. Like we only have a few places where we can all hang out and there are a decent amount of people who live here. So when everyone's out on elk or up on the mountain, you see everybody, um, everyone is here, uh, because they love everything they can do and the feeling of it, and they work hard to be able to stay here. So um, you have a lot of hardworking, true locals who, um, you know, they work and play in the community. They're not second home or or people living here who don't need to work. It's definitely, I feel like a, it's been called definitely a ski um a working ski town, if that makes sense. No, you know? yeah, so totally you get does. the good blend, you know, and, and we're accepting of, of course, the second homeowners or the visitors and, and the people who come here who don't need to work. Like it's, it's all good. It all makes it work. And that's how the town has to flow. And that's what most ski towns are like. But, um, you know, I think if you get into the more popular ski towns, you do lose the feel of a uh, community because the locals who have to work in the town make it the community because we're always here. We're here 24-7, you know? Right. We're, we're not the ebb and flow of leaving and coming. We're, we have to all hang out and make sure this town functions properly and normally and, and we do a good job so that the second homeowners or the people who are coming to visit can come here and, and enjoy the place and feel like it's a real town. Well, you know, that's the other big thing. I won't name any names, but there are certain ski towns that are virtually uh filled with empty houses because people are they have giant houses in town and they only live there one week a year and the locals live like 20 or 30 miles away so Crested Butte is not that kind of town right the locals live in town there aren't a bunch of empty houses with people just visiting for short periods of time yeah no definitely I mean I live out on the mountain I actually live in Mount Crested Butte which is you know three miles four miles something up the hill um there are a lot more second homes I feel up here but I mean I kind of like it it's very peaceful and quiet (laughs) but um yeah I I mean we have kind of the valley is it goes from it's kind of starts at Crested Butte south and then five up five miles up the road or eight miles something, you'll get to Crested Butte and Riverland and Riverbend and Skyland. And then you drive up a little further up the hill and then you have Crested Butte. So within that range is where all the locals live. And it's, yeah, it's not a far drive. Like if you live in CB South, you still feel like you are part of the Crested Butte community. And um, so definitely this, the the locals who have had to move out of town have not moved very far away. So oh, if you still great. do have that connection and that feel of um, of locals being in the Valley. Yeah, that's huge. Um, so speaking of that, what, um, well, and other things, let me ask, what kind of mountain is it? Um, every, every ski town also has a a mountain that's known for certain things. What would Crested Butte, Mm -hmm. if you were to describe the mountain itself, skiing or snowboarding, how would you describe it? Well, definitely Crested Butte got put on the map um, in the era of the extremes, and it's legit. Like, this ski area um, start held one of the very first extreme skiing competitions, and as it should have, because it does have that type of terrain. It is a very double black, I even say maybe triple black in some areas, kind of scary, which is why I love it and a lot of locals love it. It really makes you um, be a skiing kind of skier. 
So, you know, a lot of other resorts have big open bowls, which is great and fun. And, um, or you might, if you're in a, you know, an advanced skier, you can find things and do one hit and then straight line it. Crested Butte, you really have to become um, a skier who likes to maneuver and you learn to maneuver and get yourself in and out of tight situations, which it's like a puzzle to me. It's really fun to be like, okay, I got myself here. Now, how am I going to get over there? And, <laughs> and I love it. It just makes your brain work. But with that said, we have lots of intermediate, beginner, great groomer runs. So I consider it the, um, I guess, the, the family resort. Um, I, you know, if you have an adult who's a great skier and they want to push their level, but they have little kids, they can put their kids in ski school or the, the fam, the part of the family who is at a lower level has terrain to go ski, but yet you as a good skier can go and really push your limits and have an awesome time and, and explore a really fun and exciting mountain rather than finding that mountain that is kind of fun for you, but really good for the kids and, you know, people who are learning to ski or lower level everyone gets something. So, you know, the, the upper level skier is not sacrificing their fun by going to, um, a middle of the road kind of resort that doesn't have really challenging terrain. So I don't know if that makes sense, but. Well, let me say, so are there any back bowls like veil size or, or is it tree skiing or are there a lot of obstacles like, you know, cliffs, Yes, say? I would say the one thing we we do have bowls, but not like Vale. I mean, you can get to kind of an open bowl run, but it you'll have you know you have to be a good skier to um, be skiing this bowl. It's not like a a blue big bowl that you can just ski and cruise down. Um, we have uh, runs, lots of trees, lots of cliffs, lots of rocks, nooks and crannies, tight, tight little venues to get yourself in and out of. And, um, and I don't want to make it sound like intimidating and scary. It's all good. If you're that kind of skier and in the same area, you know, they call it the, the extremes and you have to take the high lift and the North face lift to access them. And, um, and there's places that like my 79 year old father goes and skis. So it's, even though I'm kind of making it, you know, build it up to this, be this crazy terrain. It's not, I mean, in this zone, you can, you can access the lines that don't go and you can, um, catch air and, and jump cliffs and stuff. But then there's also the lines that my 79 year old father can access and ski gently in and gently out and have a good time with all his friends. So, um, it really has something for everyone and, uh, a lot of shoots and again, uh, trees. So, I would say bowls, we probably have a bowl or two, but nothing like when you think of veil, uh, that kind of style. Just to go along with that, I think the great thing about Colorado skiing is almost no matter where you go, the snow is so forgiving here that a lot of times you can actually ski a little bit better than what your ability might be somewhere else. But yeah. Yeah. No, the snow and the snow this winter has been awesome. Just it's really carvable snow and Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, the conditions are always very, um, pretty consistent and, and, um, easy and fun to ski. What about, so kind of to jump around a little bit, uh, I've only been to Crested Butte in the summer, so I honestly have not skied there or been there in the wintertime. And I'm wondering, you know, if someone wanted to know, if you want to get out of town to a city, do you have to drive over the pass to get to Denver or what's it like? Yeah, there's a handful of ways. I mean, one, Gunnison Airport, which is a half an hour away. 
So in the summer and winter, it's really easy. We have a lot more flights. In the spring and fall, we have, you know, it's our low season. So we only have like maybe one or two flights going in and out of Gunnison. So it makes it a little challenging. But summer and winter are definitely a lot more flights available. So it shouldn't be too complicated. Usually you would fly from somewhere to Denver and then Denver to Gunnison. There are a few direct flights, I believe, maybe from Chicago or um, in Dallas right into Gunnison. And uh, they're, you know, they're always working on trying to find new connections, either from the West or Central or something like that. But then also you can go to Montrose, which is an hour and a half away. And that airport access is um, usually Telluride and it can, you can get to Gunnison. So they're both, Montrose is an hour and a half from both resorts. And um, some people do Grand Junction because there's better deals and that's three hours away. So you'd fly into Grand Junction and then drive to Crested Butte. And then, of course, Denver. And you'd go over Monarch Pass, and there's a few different ways. You can go 285 into Denver or keep going um, from Monarch Pass to Copper and get on I-70. And that's about a four-hour drive, which for me, since I live in a small town and I don't shop a lot and access the city, every now and then to fly out of Denver for a flight, I'm totally good with because I need to do a Denver visit anyway. So it's it's never felt like a big burden to me. Yeah, there, but there's only so much online shopping you can do, and then you have to bust out and get to that city. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, definitely. Like you gotta kind of feel real life again, and you're like, oh, thank God, I I live in a small town. Yeah, I go back so, to the mountains happily. <laughs> yeah, I don't. You know, it's I grew up in Tahoe, and San Francisco is about a four hour drive, and I felt like we did that all the time. And so when you get used to it, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal anymore. But um, I know it gets overwhelming when people fly in and they look into flights and they can fly into Denver and just drive a few hours to, you know, Vail or Copper. But then if you plan it on a weekend, that drive turns into being just as long and hard or if not harder to get to this, um, the front range than if you were to just fly into Crested View or just, just drive to Crested View because it's a different way. Yeah, I don't know. I think people start to learn that. I've been hearing about the Vail lines being super, super long this year. And people come and ski with me and like, this is all you wait. You like, wait like one minute, you know, right. or less. Like usually to ski right on the lift. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty normal here. It's, yeah. you know. So, you know, hopefully um, people, I think people start to learn about that. Well, that was kind of another question about the mountain. I, I can't imagine you, because it's a little more isolated, you're not going to get these horrible long lift lines uh, that all the front range um, ski areas do. Because people are usually there, not just for the weekend, they usually go and it's kind of, it's a destination, let's say, rather than Vail, which is you could do in a day from Denver easily. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, easily, I guess, if you're not doing it on a Friday right. or, or I mean, a Saturday morning or a Sunday evening, yeah. you know, I mean, right. it, it doesn't sound easy to me. It sounds no. horrible, but, um, <laughs> yeah, no people, you know, I think more and more people are driving from Denver and they go 285 and come here. So they kind of missing the veil and front range driving crowd. And, um, the lift lines. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I have never really stood in a long lift line before. I mean, even where I grew up in Lake Tahoe in Incline, when I skied there, I mean, I grew up skiing at Squaw, but then as I got older, we transferred to Incline, that ski area. And even Squaw didn't have huge lines way back in the day. But, um, 
you know, and then I went away to high school to Berkman Academy, which was just the academy kids on the ski hill. So we didn't wait in line. And now I live here and I don't wait in line. So, right. you know, when I do go to a veil or I remember being in Whistler, standing in the longest line, I'm like, seriously, yeah. people do this? Oh my God, I could never ski if I had to wait this long. Like I just wouldn't do it. You know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Once you've been spoiled that way, it's difficult to ever deal with that again. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, the other question is, with Crested Butte being a smaller town, if someone wanted to move there, what's it like to find housing? And where would you look? Oh, I don't know. I mean, that is the hard question. I mean, the paper, definitely people are posting in the paper all the time. It could even be worth, like, if you were to get here early to look at real estate signs and call up the real estate person and be like, hey, you know, do these people want to rent it for a few months since, you know, and can I stay here? I've heard people do that. Um, the rental pool, because I've never really done it, I, I honestly don't know how easy or hard it is. I think there's a lot of rentals up on the mountain. That That's a good bet. And there's a bus route from the mountain to town. So that's super convenient. Probably a lot in Skyland. So I don't know. I, I definitely think the paper is how a lot of people do it. And then um, in terms of rolling in and finding jobs, I think that could kind of be easy too. It, it just also depends on your level of what you want to do. You know, if you want a corporate, hardworking job, you could probably find that here. But more or less, you know, you're looking at the real ski town jobs of restaurants and bars. And, and um, you know, a lot of people come here and try to become teachers. So then they have that free time and they start subbing and working their way in that way. And then, of course, there's a ski area, CBMR, and they are very on in the summer. They have a lot more business here in the summer now. And then it's kind of leaking into the off seasons a little bit. So you could maybe have more work to do than just the seasonal job. And then, of course, in winter, there's all the lift jobs and, and ski area um, employment that you can find. Well, so I think it's kind of easy, especially when it come for the winter. I mean, the ski area is always looking for employees because it's such a, um, a turnover. Mm -hmm. So if you want to try something new, it's worth coming here and just knocking on the door of CBMR and looking for something. So, um, when you say, what's the name of the ski company? Oh, CBMR Crest Butte Mountain Resort. Okay. And do they hire all year long? What? What would well, you think? I mean, I would say there's probably opportunities yeah. always, but no, I mean, but it's hit or miss, right. you know, like there are a lot of people who have come here to work the winter and then find out like we have mountain biking now on the mountain and, and the rental shop guys, like now they can work in the rental shop in the winter, but then they also have a job in the summer and, um, and spring, you know, when they open up early. So I think the jobs are longer, but the thing that you find people who live here, they don't want to work all year round. They come here, they work the winter, they travel in the spring for a month or two, they come back for their job in the summer, and then they take off in the fall again. So that right. that's a common theme with the people who don't have families and you're young and you want to come back to a job. I think there's opportunities of jobs you can come back to and then you just take off on the shoulder seasons. Right. And when uh, shoulder seasons, what what are the shoulder seasons in Crested Butte? Well, of course, fall and spring. You know, once the ski area shuts down, this town kind of becomes a ghost town. Um, a lot of people leave, and then they go and do their traveling, and then it starts to pick back up in June. So would that and, be like mid-April? Is that when? The yeah, mid-April, and then May is pretty quiet, and then June starts to pick up again. 
And that's when the ski area starts ramping up for their mountain bike season and the lift access to hike the peak and the adventure park that they have at the base area um, starts getting cleaned up and ready to go. And then that lasts pretty much until August. And then you have another short shoulder season before um, they get ready for winter. And, you know, also Crested Butte is really known for their mountain biking. Would you say that they, is winter still the bigger um, tourist time or or has it evened out? It's evened out, actually. Summer is huge here. July is insane. Right. Um, It's amazing. It's just really blown up to be a big summer place. And um, I would say Crested Butte, the ski area, has really jumped on board to help make that happen because before I had kids, the ski area was a ghost town. No one even went up to the mountain. It just shut down. There was no life to it at all in the summertime. Now they have the hiking, the downhill mountain biking, and you can get biking lessons. And you have the bungee jumping and the mini golf and um, camps. They have art camp up there, science camp up there, all this stuff going on for kids and adults and everything. So it is insane. People come here and just put their kids in camps and they play in the mountains for a few, you know, a month or two. And then they go back to hot Denver or, I mean, sorry, a hot <laughs> Dallas or wherever, wherever they, you know, it's too hot to live in at the moment. Right. They all come here. So summer has really been growing. And I remember being in the park playing with my kids and there was um, two different couples from Dallas. They didn't know each other. And one's like, oh, you're from Dallas? Oh, I'm from Dallas, too. And and then they had started to have the conversation. Yeah, we used to come here for one week. Now we're here in a month. And now I think we're going to buy a house. And the other couple's like, yeah, we just started coming here. And we were already talking about adding another week. And, you know, and they were just talking about the heat in Dallas and how nice it is. Ugh. So I think it's just more of those people are coming, checking out, and it's growing and growing. Winter, we've had an amazing winter, though. So Um, with people coming here and discovering Crested Butte. So I'd say it's teetering back and forth of which is the high season. It used to clearly be winter, but summer has um, kicked in and kind of taken over. But um, I I think after this season, with how much ski traffic we've had and people coming here, it's kind of evening out. Yeah, it's been an incredible year for snow. That is for sure. Yeah. Um, so, uh, speaking of that, where where do you, where would you say probably are the best places to work? I mean, there must be. I know that um, in the ski town I lived in, there were like a couple restaurants where if you got a job there, you could make so much money in tips. I mean, what are the hot right. places that you would say in town uh, someone should really try and get something going at? Um, well, I think. Uh... Seeker Stash is great. Um, that's a fun pizza spot, and they've just built their restaurant to be much bigger now. So um, it's definitely a hot spot if you're young and new in town and you want to meet people. That's the place. Um, then there are like you know kind of the more higher end restaurants that um, are right on Main Street, like Bacchanal and um, Gourmet Noodle. And then Soup's On, which is the really high-end restaurant that's tucked away in an alley that's super cute. But, you know, and so, of course, that's probably a great tipping job because uh, you don't get as many people, but it's more expensive. So you just ha- kind of have to do the research. Um, I would say every restaurant in this town is busy and great to eat at and a lot going on. I mean, you have the Last Steep and the Sunflower Cafe, which are cute little nooks that um, a lot of locals go to. And, oh, my God, I could just ramble off about all of them because there, I mean, there are a lot of great places, and I think they stay all pretty busy. Mm -hmm. So speaking of that, 
two, what about locals deals? I know after a while, um, when I lived in the ski town, I mean, we got like Obermeyer had deals, the Surefoot had deals. You could buy your skis for nothing. What what kind of stuff does Crested Butte offer? Oh, well, um, the Crested Butte Snow Sports Foundation always tries to do a ski swap, or we don't try to. We do do a ski swap every year. So there's always great deals there because we're not pricing things super, super high like you would at a maybe a Vail ski swap or something like that, you know? I mean, it's still kind of Crest Butte prices and a lot of great gear um, being being brought in. And I even take a lot of gear there, and I have, like, almost unused and new and things like that. So people always come up to me all the time like, oh, my God, I bought your boots. You hardly used them. They're great. <laughs> and so um, Thank you, sponsor. That, yeah, that's a great deal to have, um, you know, in October. And, um, then I, you know, I don't do a lot of shopping, so I don't know, like when the ski shops are having deals, I would say always in the springtime, but, um, and in the, in the shoulder seasons, there's the two for one at restaurants and stuff like that. And, uh, I was thinking of one, oh, I know one great deal that my parents took advantage of. And it's not just for older people like my parents. I know a lot of young people do it too. I'm not sure when it goes on sale, but maybe in October, Crest Butte Mountain Resort, puts out the 10 pack where you can buy 10 lessons that you can use all year long. And it only happens at one time, like super early season. So you have to be on. It's not like you can roll into town in November and get this deal when the ski area opens. And it's super cheap, like next to nothing. You can pay to have these lessons and they're two and a half hours long and they only allow up to three people. So it's almost like a private. And my parents, and especially my mom, They've been living here in the winters to help me out with my kids so I can work. But she has done it probably the last eight years when she has a bunch of ski buddies and they go and do these lessons and it's really, really cheap. So if you're a local who wants to get better and you don't know how to get better and you're not going to learn from your friends, that's definitely a deal to take. And that will help maybe get you out skiing more often and, and stuff like that. So that's one really great deal that you need to jump on early in the year. Yeah, and um, people, even if they've been skiing for a long time, a lesson makes such a difference. I guess whether you're moving here or, or you're coming here with your family and you're the good skier I was talking about who wants to go explore the mountain, it really pays off to get a lesson. And I know maybe if you're someone who can't afford a lesson, um, of course, hopefully if you're moving here, you're going to find friends and the right people to your same level who can take you around because... There are places here that you can really get yourself in trouble if you don't know where you're going. So that's just definitely one word of advice for in terms of if you're going to come here and ski. Like a lot of really good skiers usually don't get lessons because they think they're beyond it. And this is more of not necessarily a lesson, but of a, a mountain tour. Right. And um, which I love to do. And, you know, I can teach on the mountain and I love taking people around to all the nooks and crannies I'm talking about because it's just so fun and adventurous and it's different than any other ski resort. So I get really excited about that. So um, that's one thing I recommend. And what about if you were to come in the wintertime, do you have any special spots that are really great that you would recommend to do? I don't know hot springs, um, a certain lodge. Are there, are there places that are really special and unique to Crested Butte that you could, uh, that are kind of an insider secret Oh, um, that well, you'd be willing to give away? <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think, well, I know there's a cute little yurt that people Nordic ski out and do dinners. 
um, if you're Nordic skiing. Oh, and that's the other thing. The Nordic skiing here is going off. I mean, we have just miles and miles of track, and they keep improving it every year. I'd have to say the one sport that's probably been exploding the most here is Nordic skiing. Hmm. I mean, there's always been skiers, and um, and we've always had a Nordic program, but uh, it is just it's insane how amazing it is and it's becoming world-class to come here and do Nordic. So, um, and I'm sorry, I got off on that tangent because of the yurt that you can go and have meals at, which I think you booked through the Nordic center. And then there's Uli's cabin that you can do a sleigh ride and, um, have dinner up there. And it's kind of like our five-star restaurant on the mountain. And, um, so that's a great place to go eat. That's not at the base area. And then um, there's the town of Gothic in the summer to go visit and mountain bike at. And what's the town of Gothic? A ghost town? No. Well, it's it's like an environmental study um, town. Like they do a lot of research. It's one of the one places that still has not seen too much exposure from, um, I don't want to say humans, but, you know, they really try not to have it. Um, change too much. So then they do studies, like they did a big marmot study out there and they study the flowers and butterflies and try to just gauge, um, I guess, how our world is changing or not. Uh, It's become very well known for its research. And in the winter, you can't drive out there or snowmobile. You can only Nordic out there and um, or trek. And then in the summer, you can drive through and they do lots of um, workshops and all that kind of stuff. It's really cute. A nice little nook. And then, um, I don't know, I, I guess, now that, this is a question I should have, I, I, I think I needed a game plan. I don't know. <laughs> I, those are the things that come off the top of my head. But What about, do you guys, are you guys a part of the 10th Mountain Hut out there? No, I do not believe so, but we do. We have the Elkton Mountain Huts, which you can reserve those and skin out to those and spend the night. And there's like a fireplace and a kitchen and bunk beds. And um, I've done an uh, avalanche class out there one time. We went and spent the night out there. So that's a backcountry hut system that you can access. But I'm not sure if it's part of that system. That's so much fun, though. If you can get a chance to go, yeah, skin up somewhere and spend the night, yeah. it's just amazing. I've done that. I loved it. Yeah. So, and yeah, we have that here. And so um, that's great. We have the snowmobiling and there's dog sledding and, um, and snowshoeing, and you can go trekking up on the ski area in the morning if you want. There, there's just tons of stuff to do. Well, and what about festivals during the year? Do you have some things that Crested Butte is completely known for? Yes. So we have the Vinatog Festival, which is in the fall. What is that? Um, oh, God. <laughs> I I know a little bit about it. Um, I was involved in it once. They always have a maiden mother be a part of the the festival and it's someone who's the harvest mother, sorry, (laughs) who's pregnant. So the harvest mother is, you know, pretty much about to pop. And I was the harvest mother one year and everyone, it's kind of a festival to bring on winter Uh and, um, get rid of all your baggage that you're, you just want to get rid of and start fresh for winter. And they always build a huge bonfire. And back in the day, people used to throw their TVs and, you know, bed springs and all the stuff they just wanted to get rid of because to shed all the negative energy things, just garbage. So now you can't burn anything and everything anymore, but they build um, a big bonfire because every year they always have a grump that they 
take down Main Street and everyone um, is dressed up in kind of festive fall costuming and go to every restaurant and do little songs and cheers. And then they do a little play in the street. So people kind of surround and it's a trial for the grump, whether he's going to get burned or not. And he always gets burned. And they take him down to the end. And then they have this gigantic bonfire that just is um, huge. And everyone has a fun time. So that's Vinatalk. And that's in the fall. And then they have, um, we have the Grand Traverse, which is about to start, which is um, a little more intense and not as festive, uh, where you partner up with someone and you start in Crested Butte and you skin over um, to Aspen and you end up at the top of Aspen. So that's kind of a more wow. serious competition. Yeah. That's hardcore. Yeah. You have to be self-sufficient. Um, this next Sunday, March 2nd, we're having the banana, I guess it's not a festival, but more of a contest. We're doing the seven hours of banana where someone skis and does as many laps as they can on the banana shoot, which is a 2000 vertical foot run. And, um, so it's a competition of who can do the most runs in that amount of time. Wow. And that's a fundraiser. Then there's um, the Al Johnson, which is you skin up uh, by the North Face lift and you wrap around, you rip off your skins and people, of course, half of the people do this in costume. And then it's the first one down the North Face to Last Steep, which is kind of a challenging run. And um, so that's an event. And um, we have music festivals down in town and on the mountain in the summer. Uh, there's a lot. There's there's and, always something people are doing around here. Right. And you, but also the mountain, you have, don't you have the biggest mountain biking festival in the summer? Because Is July, it the biggest? We do have a big mountain bike biggest. festival, but I had no idea what level. But yes, we have a big mountain bike festival. Um, and then we have had the Colorado bike series come through here a few times. I think it's coming again this year. And um, I yeah, we have, uh, what did we do this winter? We had snowmobiling comp here and um, move, well, we have a move the butte that just happened, which all the locals get together and do a big dance show and they practice, you know, day in and day out. And then they have a big dance for three days straight and all the the local people go and watch. I mean, it's like our own theater. And we do have a lot of theater here. Lots of people put on plays and stuff. Sounds like a great place. I really have to go out there and ski in the winter. I can't believe I haven't been out there yet but <laughs> yes, you do and then you can back all this up when <laughs> right, exactly uh well how about you so what are you going to be doing next are you still filming extreme uh, skiing movies well if anyone asks me to i always say yes because i'm a sucker for it but um no not really i mean i'm definitely more of a mom i have a six and eight year old uh when i had my first kid i definitely put that on the back burner trying to travel around for me and and, and film, I did miss it a lot. I mean, I loved traveling and I always traveled. I, there was, I think I started traveling when I was 12 and I never stopped until I had a, my first son. And, um, so I kind of missed it, but Warren Miller came here right when I had my second son and I filmed with them and that was great, but I was here and it was my home base and I didn't have to travel. So that was really easy. And then every summer in August, I go to Chile and do a camp with Chris Davenport, and it's called Skiing with the Superstar. So I travel for that, and that's super fun. What is that? Are you taking um, clients? or? Yeah, people sign up. We had um, over 30 people last year come to Portillo, Chile, and ski with us. And um, it's Chris Davenport's the one who started it and organized it. And then Chris Anthony is a coach. Ingrid Backstrom's a coach. Mike Douglas, 
This year we brought in Darren Rolves and then myself and Chris Davenport. So um, it's a great lineup of people to go ski with. And we have so much fun. We've had from ages from 12 to 70 come and do our camp. And we've split everyone up in ability level and and kind of people who want to ski together and have fun together. And it's just a great time. So I travel for that, but I wouldn't say that's extreme. I mean, it's definitely teaching and having fun with people and making sure they have fun. And then, um, but last year, Mike Douglas, one of the coaches who goes to Portillo, and he does Solomon Free Ski TV. So if anyone wants to watch some ski, cool ski footage online, um, just go to Solomon Free Ski TV. And last year, he decided he wanted to do a segment on me, an episode. So he came here to Crest Butte, and then he took me up to Whistler because Mike is like, Wendy, I still think you got it. You know, you're a mom with two kids. You're over 40, but you still got it. Can I film you? And I'm like, sure, okay. And um, so I'm in Whistler now above the big shoot going, what was I thinking? Why did I say yes? Do I got it? So anyway, he filmed me. And it's called Super Mom. And oh. so you can Google that along with Salmon Free Ski TV. And then, um, and so I did that last year. And he also then filmed. So in Portillo, Chile, when we went down there to do our camp together. And so I did that. And yes, you know, if someone says or asks me to go do something, I always want to. But now I have to balance like, is it worth my time? Right. Am I making enough money? If I'm not making money, then what am I going to get out of it that's going to help me? Um, I definitely balanced that out where before I had kids, I just said yes to everything. And I didn't really, (laughs) I didn't weigh whether it was beneficial or not. If it just sounded fun, I just did it. And, um, so no, I mean, I I mostly just ski around here and I still ski hard and I have fun. I ski with clients. I can teach private lessons on the mountain. And so I've been super booked with that. Um, I had a, uh, someone take me to Europe the last two years to go work with a big group there. And, and then I just got a new job. Um, here in town, which is, uh, it's going to be fun and I'm, I'm excited for it, but I'm now the executive director of the Crested Butte Snow Sports Foundation and we raise money for kids to be able to ski, snowboard, Nordic, telly. And so we do financial and merit-based scholarships for kids to be a part of the mountain sports team, which is a CVMR um, entity where kids can snowboard and alpine and it's ski racing, big mountain skiing, ski or cross, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, so it's fun. That's a new challenge for me. It'll be really, it's totally different than anything I've done before, but snow sports is a passion of mine. You know, it's like, I'm a true believer of all the snow sports. And so now (laughs) we're living it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm living it. And, um, so now I, I'm the head of raising money for all of it and I'm really excited. It'll be a fun new challenge and I'm, once winter's over and I have time to really focus on it, I'm, I'm excited to try to make changes and do something really good for the town I've been living in for so many years and try to give back. Well, you know, yeah, that's the natural progression of everything you've done. I mean, you, you've, it's been an incredible journey and that's a wonderful way uh, for you to get involved and, and really give something back. And that's fantastic. You know, it's funny. There is one, one thing when I went and heard you talk at the panel um, a few weeks ago, I just was really struck by something you said though. And you brought up a little bit about it when you said you went uh, extreme skiing up in Whistler. I remember you saying that you got to the top of the mountain and you have done extreme skiing all over the world, literally, and you still had that moment of, oh, crap, what am I doing? And and had that fear, but yet you pushed on 
And I love that. I mean, I love that someone who is like you, who's been to the Olympics, who skied everywhere on these um, tracks that most of us would never even, you know, get anywhere near, you still had that moment of having to overcome. And I think that's something really important for people who want to move to a resort, who want to follow their dreams, is just everyone still gets that fear, don't they? But you just, it's whether or not you push on from there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for some reason, because I believe in my athletic ability, that's my strength. And so even though I'm scared, I'm kind of scared. I'm always scared because one, I don't want to mess up. I know I'm getting filmed. And if I mess up, then, <laughs> then I just wreck the shot. So that, that scares me. And then also, yeah, I'm scared. Like if I fall, you know, the what ifs, but I, what the one thing that I always believed in is I'm a good skier and I know um, if something happens, I, I think I'll be okay. You know, I always have that in the back of my head. Something can happen. And um, I kind of manage the the situation of how badly I can get hurt. If I don't think I, this is horrible, but if I don't you think You actually gonna, think that far down, I wouldn't I even do. go there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, what's what's what am I up against here? And can I handle that? I'm like, yeah, you know, if I fall, I can handle this. And, uh, you know, and I do. I, I fall in um, Supermom pretty bad, one of my worst, worst crashes ever. And um, But it's my strength. I don't know. Athletics and me, like, I always like to push through where there's a, this addiction of wanting to overcome that fear and conquer it. But like I said, um, you know, I had this new opportunity with the Crestview Snow Sports Foundation and this, what I just stepped into is more fearful for me than standing on top of a peak because it's just, I'm so... You're in a I'm, different I'm, element, right? Yeah. I'm used to my fear skiing and I've learned to manage it and just deal with it. And it's kind of what I, I like that butterfly, conquer it, just follow through with what I want to do. Um, but now that it's with the job and expectations of other people and trying to do something really well and in the community where all eyes are on you, um, that's, yeah, it's even more uncomfortable than standing on a gnarly peak that I know I could fall down. It's, it's kind of but, interesting. Yeah, isn't it? But still, whatever I think you're confronted with in your life, you will push through. You know, I mean, you could have said no. But I know I'm a sucker. I just always say yes. But no, I, I would. I wouldn't say that though. I would say that you're someone. You just you are going to push through no matter what the obstacle is, because you have a yeah. fundamental belief that moving forward is the way to go. That you have to yeah. follow that. Yeah, and you know, and I there is plenty of peaks I was with with when I filmed with Magic Productions, and I'm with the best guys in the world, and I'm like, what am I doing on this peak with these guys? And I'm standing there, I'm like, oh, man, why do I do this to myself? I just want to go home, or I just want to get off this peak. And it's like, well, uh, there's no way I'm having them fly in here and get me again. I will never be asked again. So, you know, I really just am like. All right. If I want to be the the girl doing this, then I got to step up and be the girl doing this. Right. You know, and I that was also a big drive for me too. Um, I knew if I wasn't doing it, another girl would be, and I didn't want another girl to be doing it other than <laughs> me. <laughs> so that that was one thing. Like I am gonna do this because it's it's it, I can do it. I'm good enough to do this. It needs to be me. This is why I'm here. And, and if so, I don't do it, someone else is going to get to do it. Yeah, and I'm going to be mad. <laughs> do it. Yeah. And I'd always regret it. And it's funny. I do a big air. Um, I thought it was big. It was big for me um, in Supermom. And I'm standing at the top. And Mike Douglas, like, I was terrified. I did not want to do it. It was an air I wasn't comfortable with. Um, and uh, 
I'm standing up there and Mike is like, come on, Wendy. And he's calling me every lame name under the book just to antagonize me to do it. And I'm like, that doesn't work with me, Mike. I'm sorry. You can call me anything you want. You can be as nasty as you want. I don't care. And then he, and then he stopped for a second and he's like, just think how happy you'll be. And I'm like, oh. I know. I know. Okay. Like that's all he had to say. Like, just know how happy you'll be. And I, cause I knew if I walked away from this air, I would regret it. It would haunt me. So I'm like, well, if I do this air and I just totally blow up and eat it, at least I did it and it won't haunt me for not doing it. So I did it and I stuck it and I'm like, thank God I did that. Thank God I did that. I'm like, Mike, you said just the right thing. <laughs> I'm like, I, you know, sticks and stones won't hurt me, but just saying how happy I will will totally work. Ah, that's so true, too. I mean, yeah. you know what? Even you never have regrets about things like that. You never do. I don't care what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. Well, I love that. That's the perfect ending. Thank you so much, Wendy. I appreciate yeah, it. The interview and it was nice talking to you. Yeah, you too. For more information about Wendy Fisher, Extreme Skier, Olympian, and Crested Butte Mountain Resorts Ambassador, go to chocolife.com.